welcome to the SaaS Revolution show, bringing you front row seats to the SaaS Revolution. I'm your host, Alex Uma, and I'm joined today by a product manager taking the forms of a startup founder, consultant, and uh, even accidental uh, event manager. Uh, are you intrigued? Well, yeah, me too. Well, welcome to the show, Jana Basto, uh, product badass and CEO of ProdPad. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no, it's uh, you know a real pleasure to uh, to have you on the show. Now, you know, before I guess we go into you know the usual sort of uh, questions, is it tough being a, a product manager, startup founder, consultant, and accidental event event manager in one? <laughs> it means that I'm constantly uh, changing gears and changing hats. Uh, but a lot of the stuff has uh, a lot of the roles that I do, a lot of things that I do have a lot of things in common. Um, so I find that whatever I do as an event manager, I learn from and can apply in my, you know, product management hat or as a SaaS founder myself. Okay, awesome. And um, now I always kind of start, you know, off the podcast with, you know, getting to know the company question. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to bug the trend, uh, you know, so what is uh, ProdPad? Uh, ProdPad is product management software. So something that was started by my co-founder and I several years back when we were both product managers at different startups uh, based in London. And we both needed this tool to help us organize uh, the ideas coming in from our team or the feedback coming in from our customers and help us prioritize it, figure out what should we build first and what should we build after that and create uh, views like a roadmap or a way of visualizing the priorities of those, uh, those ideas. So it's a tool specifically built for the product managers in your company. Okay, okay, very good. And so you kind of answered the next question as to why you, you founded it. So you, you kind of had this problem uh, yourself and, uh, and from that, you, you know, gave birth, uh, I guess, to, uh, uh, to, to, to ProdPad as such, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we looked around for other alternatives and there was just really nothing out there. Um, even today, we find that most of the people who are using ProdPad are weaning themselves off using uh, spreadsheets and mm-hmm. PowerPoint documents and Google Docs and whatever else they've got at their fingertips as opposed to uh, dedicated tools that are actually really built to, to properly help them out. I quite often see many SaaS founders in the interviews say that their biggest competitor, it's almost like a de facto answer, is, uh, is the Excel spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Would you say you know, it's a similar uh, case for, for yourself? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and it comes down to it. It's still so hard to beat a pen and paper, for example. You know, think of all those task managers that are out there that are replaced by the fact that I've got post-it notes and a pen in front of me, and that's more effective than trying to enter it into some other tool. When it comes down to it, a lot of the other, uh, you know, the competition isn't just the other apps that are competing for your AdWords, um, you know, for the same words as you. It's, It's whatever people are using besides your product. Okay, okay, very cool. And um, Crunchbase tells me that you're potentially bootstrapped. Um, I, I, I didn't see any, um, uh, you know, uh, particular investment sort of rounds uh, in there. Yeah. Is, is that correct? And yeah. uh, um, can you tell me a little bit more about why the bootstrapped um, sort of, you know, d- decision? And I guess the second part to the question, you know, have you thought about raising VC money? Will you raise VC money? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, you're right, we are completely bootstrapped and we have been from the beginning. Uh, when we started ProdPad, we didn't want to necessarily start a startup, you know, something that we built for the sake of uh, uh, raising funds and 
uh, growing the team and hoping that something picks up down the line, we knew that we wanted to focus on getting revenue from day one. And so that's what we did. Uh, all of our growth has been based off of organic growth and revenues that come in from our customers. Okay, okay. Um, and you think, um, I mean, that was what you thought of, you know, at the beginning, you didn't want to build the startup and wasn't focused around that. Uh, I mean, if somebody, uh, you know, an investor, um, uh, you know, comes to you uh, at one of the conferences, many conferences that you attend, so I, so I hear, yeah. um, you know, and you're, you're, you're having an old fashioned and you know, they're, they're really interested in, you know, investing, uh, you know, ten, doing a 10 million Series A uh, in yeah. ProdPad to, you know, get you to sort of hyper growth uh, mode. It, it, what, what do you say? What does Jana Basto say to that? So we've actually been in that position where we've been offered money. Uh, and while it does look like a, a really lucrative deal, there's always a catch with uh, investor money with VC money and so we're wary of that to want to make sure that whatever we do isn't just because we need the money but because we found the right person that we really want to work with and adds more value than just the cash in our bank okay okay so not ruling it out but it, you know it might happen in the future um, yeah. but at the moment you're, uh, you, you, you're going great as a, as a bootstrap company um, so if we move away from I guess the, <clears throat> the financial conversation um, you know in sort of preparation for the podcast you know sort of looking at the website uh, you know had a look at your team um, you seem to all be you know pretty much from a, a well, performing technical roles in a technical background um, you also have a, you know one head of customer success uh, a head of growth um, I didn't see any sales uh, uh, people there so um, uh, no dedicated sales hires yet are you doing all the sales or you know what how, how does it work I guess you could technically say that I'm doing the sales but to be honest uh, we don't really have sales we don't do cold calling we don't do outreach or anything like that um, all of our leads all of our customers come to us because they are finding us through organic means uh, basically they're finding us in search results because they're looking up things like uh, how do I do a roadmap or what should I include in user personas and we've written articles about this sort of thing and uh, based on that they find us they see that we've got a free trial they sign up and we go from there um, other people find us through uh, social media and word of mouth uh, but we don't really do much in the way of advertising we don't have anything in the way of a formal sales process um, and so right now it's been um, all self-serve and so we've been focusing on that by getting customer success first to make sure that people who do sign up are getting the absolute most out of it even eight months or a year or two years after they first signed up uh, we just recently did a hire uh, of our head of growth as well mm -hmm. so we're uh, just now starting to look at reaching out further than uh, the people who are just actively looking for something like broadband okay uh, so a couple of points there um, you know is it hard um, I guess kind of in the, the, the very early days when it's I guess when it's just you and your sort of co-founder to, to sort of have that strategy um, you know this, this kind of organic growth um, you know without doing the, 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 the you know the, the outbound sales um, uh, when, when you kind of compare it to I guess um, let's say companies like uh, Typeform um, you know, we're talking, uh, I use them as an example that they don't have any outbound sales and I think, you know, Intercom and, 
you know, Atlassian, I guess, well, they, they, they were bootstrapped, I think, you know, for a certain time. But, yeah. um, you, you know, intercom type form, you know, heavily sort of VC funded, and therefore they can perhaps, you know, uh, afford, but you know, to have this kind of, you know, customer success or organic growth model and really invest in, um, you know, all this kind of marketing and customer success. But it must be much harder for a bootstrap company, right? Well, when we started, um, let's be honest, we didn't know exactly what it is we were doing, yeah. but we did what we knew best, which was to talk about what uh, what we thought mattered to our potential customers. Uh, even before we started ProdPad, we were constantly blogging about the product management process and our best practices and our studies and, and, and whatever else we'd come up with. Uh, and so this is years and years of uh, talking about product management, which has uh, got us to a great position where people know us and trust us based on what it is we're talking about in the product world. Uh, it never came natural to us to um, to do outbound sales or to uh, hire in somebody who wasn't a product-minded person just to do sales. We've always just sold ProdPad ourselves, uh, and we're continuing to learn from that. Okay, and, and you mentioned um, uh, within, I think, the, uh, the, the answer sort of before, um, you talked about... Uh, I, I guess, kind of, you know, some of the, uh, the the growth sort of strategies that you that you, uh, that you implement, um, or marketing strategies, and you know, uh, you know, the blogging. Um, uh, there's the I think some of the events that you uh, you also do uh, as well, and, and you also mentioned that you've recently hired, you know, uh, a head of growth. Um, so can you? Maybe share some sort of more insights into the the, the growth strategy of ProdPad and perhaps how that sort of you know differs from you know when you started to to what it is now. Now that you have this head of growth, you know what is the mandate yeah. for the head of growth? Sure. So when we first started ProdPad, we uh, assumed that the typical user would be somebody like us, so product managers in the startup world. Uh, and at first it was because it was our friends using it and product managers that we knew from our local events. Uh, but as we, uh, as ProdPad started growing, we started finding a wider and wider different um, different reach that we were hitting. We now have companies who are of all different shapes and sizes in all different industries um, and people with all different job titles as well using us. So ProdPad isn't just a tool for people who are called product managers, but for, you know, we've got everything from entrepreneurs who are launching their first product through to CTOs or marketing people or project managers who all have a play in the product. Uh, and it's growing and changing, uh, I think, very much as uh, the product world itself is growing and changing. You know, it's, a, it's an evolving role. It's a discipline that's becoming better and better known and more and more defined. Uh, but it's a really interesting one to grow alongside because we're not quite sure as to how big it's going to get or where it is actually going to go or, you know, what the final uh, discipline is going to look like in five, ten years. Uh, so that means that a lot of what we're doing with understanding the market is just getting a feel for what kind of different people are using ProdPad and what kind of value they're getting out of it. And every time we talk to companies, uh, we're always astounded by what's different and, more importantly, what's the same between them. You know, we'll have companies who are manufacturing massive machines, and I'll think there's no way we have anything in common with uh, you know, a, a product manager who manages these massive manufactured machines versus somebody who's managing a mobile app. Uh, but it's actually remarkably the same, the types of processes that are going through. So as we grow, we're actually realizing that more and more people need something like ProdPad than we actually originally envisioned. Uh, 
But so far, our reach has been people who uh, look for something like ProtPad, who actively search for something like it or uh, put themselves in a position to to hear about something like ProtPad. What we'd like to do is actually spread the word to the hundreds of thousands of companies out there, there must be, who have product-minded people who don't even know that there are such things as product management tools or uh, or any help that they can get for their job. Okay, and, and, and is that, I guess, sort of, you know, related uh, then to the recent sort of uh, head of growth hire and to, you know, get the word out there to these hundreds of thousands of, uh, of <laughs> yeah, people? Yeah, right? exactly. Um, you know, so far, we've been finding people uh, on a pretty narrow thing. It's, it's given us some great growth. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly uh, up there in the search results or we're constantly getting people in who are looking for roadmap templates or persona management software or idea management software and that kind of thing. But there's so many people who just, you know, need something like ProdPad but don't even realize that they do. You know, for example, we know that anybody who uses Jira for building uh, the development side of their product, uh, almost every time we talk to them and let them know about ProdPad, they're like, wow, I really need something like this in my life. Why didn't I even know that this existed? Uh, So we're actually selling to a market who doesn't yet know that they need something like this uh, and almost creating the market in itself. So it's a really interesting space. Okay, okay, uh, very cool. And um, I I guess, you know, one of the, uh, say, features of... uh, uh, of the product, but it, you know, it enables the user, um, I think, to, to use your terminology, to roadmap like a pro. Um, and um, I, I, you know, I'm not really a, a, a strong sort of product person, or you, you know, know a hell of a lot around sort of roadmaps. Um, I remember a conversation I, I think I had with uh, uh, on one of my podcasts with David Cancel uh, from Drift. Uh, and uh, I think he, he wasn't a big fan of, of sharing sort of roadmaps, um, if I remember uh, correctly. Um, so I guess my question to you, um, you know, is it a good idea for companies to, to share their roadmaps, um, you know, I guess, you know, with their uh, users? Yeah. Uh, so it's actually a really contentious subject as to whether you take your roadmap and you share it out there or not. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to confusion as to what a roadmap is. A lot of people still see a roadmap as this glorified Gantt chart that points out what features are going to be built and when and, uh, you know, little arrows and and uh, uh, labels to say, you know, this thing's going to be done by Q2 and this thing's going to be done in three weeks or whatever else. And one of the problems with that is that as soon as you put dates on your roadmap, unless you have actually spent that time to plan everything out, which almost guaranteed you haven't, you know, if you're building in an agile fashion, you're not spending months and months uh, doing resource planning and uh, and whatnot. And so your roadmap ends up becoming this um, this document that you couldn't show to your customers because it's making all these promises about what's going to be out there. That is not the type of thing that you want to show to your customers. Uh, What we advocate instead is a theme-based roadmap or a lean product roadmap, which basically centers around the idea that uh, your roadmap is just looking out at various time horizons, you know, what you're doing now, what you're doing in the near term, and what you're doing in the future. And instead of outlining different features that are going to be done, you just give the, the themes, you know, the general areas that you're planning on tackling or the problems that you plan on solving down the line. And what you're really doing with your roadmap is articulating, you know, our product vision is X, and these are the steps that we're going to take to meet that vision. Where it comes really, uh, where it becomes really handy to show this to your customers is that uh, it, it helps start the conversations around where it is that you're going with the product and helps 
uh, helps the customer understand what it is that you're trying to achieve. And if they're asking for, for example, a particular feature, you know, hey, they might say, uh, I'd like to have uh, an I iPad app. And uh, you as the product person or as the uh, salesperson or whoever it is who's speaking to this customer, uh, you know, the first thing you might say is, you know, what, we're, we don't have that right now, uh, but it is on the roadmap. And you can show them that roadmap and say, yeah, we're planning on going into making some, some, some mobile stuff so that you can use this on the go. Uh, if you show them that, they can then see all the different things that are going to lead up to that. And they might have an opinion saying, you know what, you're right, I think that roadmap is really helpful and the stuff that's coming up beforehand is the right stuff for us. Or they might turn around and say, well, actually, um, I think that this thing is actually much more important than all this other stuff. And based on that feedback, not just from one customer, but collective of tons of different co customers who get to see your roadmap and give the feedback into it, you'll actually learn as to whether you're heading in the right direction. You know, you might find out that something that you thought would was supposed to be important on your roadmap is actually not important to them at all. And they just sort of say, I'd rather you work on something else. We're not going to find this useful. That could save you. Uh, weeks if not months of work uh, just by avoiding projects or making sure that you're working on stuff in the right order okay uh, I'm I'm sold um, I think I see the value in, in, in sharing the roadmaps but uh, glorified Gantt charts no lean products <laughs> uh, roadmaps there absolutely um, yeah. and um, you know you know I, I, I guess you know citing a, that was a, a, a you know a question sort of based on a uh, previous sort of podcasts that were recorded, but also you, you know from other conversations that I've had with with people on the uh, uh, on the part uh, the podcast sort of recently, you know both Lincoln Murphy and Patrick Campbell, um, you know from Price Intelligently, uh, have been talking a lot about user personas. Um, you know, I've, I've also seen this, um, uh, I, I think, you know, within your blog as well. Um, so I guess the question is, you know, to you, what is the importance of understanding sort of user personas for, for SaaS companies, uh, but according to Jana Basto? Great. Okay. So user persona is basically a, a characterization of a type of user who would use your product. It's not a real person, but it is a good way of understanding uh, what types of people are going to be using your product. And the thing is, is that a lot of people think about the product in kind of black and white terms. You've got, you know, this one particular user who uses it, and they don't really think about the different types of people who are going to get involved. Um, you know, the, the simple one to look at is uh, who's actually paying for your product, who's your buyer, versus who's your uh, actual end user. Um, these are completely different personas, and the way that you treat them in the app, in your notifications, in your emails, uh, has to treat them they have to treat them differently. Uh, they, you have to use this as an understanding in terms of, um, uh, you know, what kind of things are they looking to achieve? What kind of problems do they have? What are their limitations? What kind of patience, what level of patience do they have with apps like this? Uh, we've been actually doing uh, a lot of interesting things around personas uh, with our onboarding. Uh, so we've been spending a lot of time trying to get our onboarding just right. And one thing that we were doing wrong, and to be honest, I think almost every other SaaS company out there does wrong, which is assume that your customers, when they first join up, are all pretty much the same. So we've actually started a project where when you join up, we actually listen to find out what kind of things do you do in the first 30 seconds? What do you do in the first five minutes? What do you do in the first uh, two days? And based on that, the emails that go out to you are vastly different. 
you know, we see uh, some people who sign up for a free trial, click twice, and then disappear and never come back. We're not going to bug them with the same email saying, and now here's how you export your roadmap or something really advanced like that. Like they honestly looked at nothing and we know that. So we can actually send them an email saying, hey, what happened? How can we help out? Uh, and it's been getting much better response rates. And for the people who are actually really actively getting involved, we can skip all this fluff saying, and here's how you add an idea and jump them to something much more complex, like our secret pro tips that our advanced Prodpad users want to, want to be interested in. And with that, we're seeing more engagement with that type of persona as well. So just by looking at these personas that are split out from the moment they join and what we can see in the first two to three days of active of, of usage, uh, we've been able to target and get more activity out of both sides. Okay, okay. Uh, and are you using you know any specific SaaS tool or platform to really uh, give this information as to you know who your user personas are, and then you know follow up with these uh, email you know or sales automation, marketing automation uh, yeah. campaigns? Uh, is is there any, can you share that? Sure. So we actually do our tracking uh, in-house. Most of our data is gathered directly from our servers and we crunch it ourselves and understand what people are actually up to. Uh, we then push this on to various tools which help us visualize or use this data in various ways. Uh, one of the tools that we've just got set up with uh, to help with this persona-specific onboarding is a tool called Drip. Uh, and basically, it allows us to send out emails based on particular actions. You know, So if so-and-so did do this, then send them this email. If they didn't do this, then send them this email. Um, but it's a lot more complex than that when you look at the workflow. We've put a lot of thought into... Uh, um, you know, what should happen if they do respond to that email and what should happen if they don't respond to that email. Um, so it gets pretty complex as you work your way down the workflow, but uh, seems to be doing the trick. Uh, it's something we just launched a few weeks ago and we're still in testing phase, but everything's looking really promising. Okay, uh, a nice little uh, uh, plug there for, for, for Drip. And, uh, and actually, I'm, I'll, I'll check it out myself as I've not come across it, but uh, um, uh, I like the name because it you know, probably does what it says uh, on, on the tin, I guess. <laughs> um, and uh, another thing that I... Uh, you know, picked up from your uh, blog was this uh, this acronym HIPPO, um, and uh, quite a funny one. Um, you know, what what is it? Um, you know, why why should we care? So uh, HIPPO, you're not talking about the sub-Saharan African mammal, uh, then? No, um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> by HIPPO, what what we mean? It's a term that means highest paid person's opinion. Uh, and basically, it's it's a joke that a lot of people use within uh, companies. It means that there's that person at the table who's got this opinion, and it often ends up uh, sidelining your work or changing your scope or otherwise throwing your work off because it's this high-paid um, executive at your company who's got this opinion. It might be a, a CEO or an investor or somebody else like that who throws things in there like little grenades and end up throwing you off track. So we were talking about how you protect your backlog and your roadmap from hippos. Okay, okay. That, 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 that's much clearer. Um, so uh, I, I can get the, the picture of the sub, uh, sub-Saharan African <laughs> Uh, mammal uh, out of my mind when I'm uh, when I'm reading that uh, reading that post, um, um, but I've not come across that before, so it was uh, you know I interesting to me. 
Um, and uh, we're coming into the, the last two questions uh, um, of, of the show, Jana, before we sort of wrap up. Uh, and, and, and for these, you, you know, I guess the first one that I want to ask is, you know, as a founder of a SaaS company, uh, founder of Prodpad, you know, what have been your biggest challenges um, to date? You know, can you share those? Sure. Uh, I mean, one of the most difficult things with running ProdPad has been the fact that the company changes. As soon as you think you understand what it is you're doing, you end up hitting some new milestone and the entire thing changes. You know, the first six months were grueling because we just sat in our rooms coding away and we had no customers. Um, The next six months was grueling because all of a sudden we had our early users and our customers giving us feedback and we were trying to work out how we could actually build something. You know, uh, just when we thought we had it nailed down, we realized that we needed to hire and grow and find new ways of reaching people. So it's it's, it's always challenging to constantly learn and to be open to kind of throwing out the playbook and start again uh, and, you know, learn from people at that next step. Okay, um, and the, the biggest lessons, uh, lesson or lessons learnt uh, as a SaaS founder of ProdPad that you can share with the audience? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I guess one of the biggest lessons we learned, and this was actually very early on, was that even though we were building ProdPad for ourselves, we were product managers at startups um, and we needed this tool we learned very early on that we were not our market or that, um, you know, our market of the two of us was certainly not going to be big enough. And so it took a lot of uh, humility to stop what we're doing, throw some code out because we'd end up building something that wasn't applicable to anybody but ourselves and start listening to our customers and building what uh, was actually universally useful to (laughs) more than just two product managers. Uh, And so as we've grown, we've had to listen to uh, hundreds, if not thousands of product people tell us um, what they think works, how the processes work, uh, what kind of things they need and just constantly evolve the product. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, I, I mean, that, that wraps up the show nicely. And, uh, um, you know, it was a real pleasure to, to, to have you on the, uh, the, the podcast today. Um, you know, you've been a, a, a great guest. Um, so, you know, really want to say a big thanks. Uh, um, thanks. And, um, yeah, for the listeners at home, um, you know, if you uh, like this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, we really appreciate if you could rate or review us on, uh, on iTunes. And uh, we'll see you next time. Wonderful. Thanks for having me.